Morning, everybody. I'm going to read the Bible to you, so please open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 15. And then after I read the Bible, 5 to 8, if you're in years 5 to 8, you're going to come out with me. Verse 21. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, It is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Then Jesus said to her, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Jesus left there and went along the Sea of Galilee. Then he went up on a mountainside and sat down. Great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and laid them at his feet, and he healed them. But people were amazed when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled made well, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they praised the God of Israel. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry, or they may collapse on the way. His disciples answered, Where could we get enough bread in this remote place to feed such a crowd? How many loaves do you have? Jesus asked. Seven, they replied, and a few small fish. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves and the fish, and when he given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples, and they in turn to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was 4,000 men besides women and children. After Jesus had sent the crowd away, he got into the boat and went to the vicinity of Magadan. Well, friends, it is uh, great to... Am I on both mics? Uh, maybe I'll pop this one aside. There we go. It is great to be able to share God's word with you this morning. Uh, do I sound okay? Not too echoey? Perfect. Okay. Uh, well, please keep your Bibles open to Matthew 15. We're going to be working our way um, through that passage. I wonder, friends, if you've ever heard of Ripley's Believe It or Not. Ripley's Believe It or Not. Have you heard of it? Yes, great, excellent. It's a franchise. It's dedicated to the weird, the wonderful, the unbelievable. Um, I remember watching it uh, years ago on television, and it was fascinating and weird. There's even a, I didn't know this, there's a Ripley's Believe It or Not Surfer's Paradise attraction. 
I was doing a bit of reading on the Ripley's website, and I found out that, unbelievably, a giant squid has a donut-shaped brain. And when it eats, its food passes right through the middle of the brain. What? What? Unbelievable. Do you, do you believe me? Well, I did a bit of fact-checking, and it seems like it's true. Oh, here we go. There you go. Weird. Unbelievable. We might not realize it initially, but what we read today in Matthew's Gospel would have been unbelievable to his original Jewish readers. Believe it or not, today we're going to see that the people who should have known and acknowledged Jesus seem to fail to do so. And more unbelievably, we'll meet the most unlikely person, a woman who will show us what it looks like to come to Jesus rightly. It would have been a Ripley's Believe It or Not. What is it that she understands that the Jews don't? What is it that God is teaching us today? Well, let's find out. The first thing we'll see from this passage is that the right attitude towards Jesus is to come to him with humility and faith. Have a look with me in your Bible from verse 21 onwards. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, Send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was only sent to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed. At that moment, we see here a woman, a Canaanite woman. The Canaanites, well, they were Israel's sworn enemies. In fact, the land that Israel possesses was the land of Canaan. And so the Canaanites were those who the Israelites in the Old Testament were meant to drive out of the land completely. But the books of Joshua and Judges in the Old Testament teach us that they didn't actually manage to drive them out completely. And so there were Canaanites living among them, and there's Canaanites living in the adjacent lands, such as Tyre and Sidon. Now, Matthew could have just described her as a woman from the region, but he doesn't. He picks up on her origins, her ethnic heritage. Why? Why does he want to do that? It's because it makes this story that we see in his gospel all the more confronting and all the more unbelievable. This is a woman who is well and truly outside the promises of God to his people Israel. But look at how she comes to Jesus. She calls him son of David. David, the great king of Israel, the one to whom the promises had come, that he'd have a descendant on his throne forever. 
She calls on Jesus saying, Lord, son of David. Now the Pharisees who we saw last week, they failed to honor God and they failed to recognize Jesus, the son of God, the son of David. But in contrast, this Canaanite woman, she recognizes exactly who Jesus is and she recognizes the promises of God that come through him. And so she comes to Jesus and she says, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. But Jesus doesn't say a word. What's going on? Is Jesus just being rude? Of course not. There's clearly more going on. See, Jesus is deliberately here working out the purposes of God. Like just so many things that Jesus did, this wasn't just on a whim. This was the will of his Father, revealing the purposes of salvation in this way. His disciples, though, are getting a bit annoyed. They say, verse 23, send her away. She keeps crying out after us. They're getting a bit grumpy. Are the disciples trying to say, send her away without her request granted? It seems like Jesus interprets it more as answer her request, do what she wants so that she doesn't annoy us anymore. But have a look at how Jesus answers. Verse 24, he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. Seems like the disciples are saying to Jesus, do what she wants so she stops bugging us. But Jesus is showing that he has not come first to the people outside of the family of God, that he's come first and foremost to Israel. Now, this idea that Jesus has been sent first to the Jews and then to the Gentiles, anyone who isn't a Jew, is something that's been growing and developing in Matthew's gospel. And it makes sense. Jesus is descended from David, God's chosen Messiah to save Israel. And we see that Jesus sends out the disciples first, the Jews, back in chapter 10. But we've also increasingly seen Jesus rejected by the Jews in chapter 11 and 12, and also at the beginning of chapter 15 here. See how Jesus describes the towns of Israel in Matthew 11, verse 22. He says, Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment than for you. See, Jesus is saying that the people of God, the Israelites, haven't accepted him, even though he's performed so many great miracles among them. And so he compares the people of Israel to the people of Tyre and Sidon, the very place where we see Jesus now visiting in chapter 15. See, there's this big contrast here, the contrast between the failure of God's people and especially their religious leaders to recognize Jesus as the Christ, the Son of God, to come to him with humility and faith, they failed to honor him as God's son, and yet a Canaanite woman, the very people that we would expect to go and worship other gods, this woman recognizes Jesus, and she comes to him for mercy. She recognizes him 
as the son of David, the one to whom the promises to Israel find their fulfillment. This is astounding. This is unbelievable. This woman comes to Jesus, chapter 15, verse 25. She kneels before him and says, Lord, help me. This woman comes with ultimate humility and asks for mercy. She doesn't come trying to justify herself, why she should receive it. She simply falls at Jesus' feet. She's not relying on her own goodness. She's not trying to impress with her works. She brings nothing in her hands. And she simply falls before Jesus and says, have mercy on me. See, this woman knows she's outside the people of God. She knows that she doesn't deserve her daughter to be healed. She knows that she doesn't deserve the blessings that come through the son of David. She just comes with ultimate humility. It's easy to think of becoming a Christian as working towards living God's way, or that we need to do something to get God to forgive us. But that's not what it is. Becoming a Christian is falling at the feet of Jesus with nothing and saying, have mercy on me. I used to watch a lot of uh, Bondi Rescue. And uh, the typical scene is that there's someone, maybe a tourist, who can't really swim, but they, they love Bondi. And so they go out in the waves, but they get out of their depth and suddenly they can't get back in and they're flailing in the water. And what do they do? They stick their arm in the air. They cry for help. And so, of course, the lifeguards kick into action. They paddle out on their paddleboard and, uh, or on their jet ski, and they go out and they drag this person from the water. And most of the time, thankfully, they manage to save them. This is the picture of becoming a Christian. This is the picture of this woman coming to Jesus, falling at his feet, saying, Lord, help me. Have mercy on me. When that person's out there in the surf, the lifeguard doesn't come up on their paddleboard and say, so, tell me, why should I rescue you? No. That person sticks their hand in the air and says, help me, save me, and they drag them from the water. This is what we need to do when we come to Jesus. We trust that he can rescue us, that he will have mercy on us, and we cry out to him with nothing but faith in him. We need to come to Jesus with humility and faith. And this Canaanite woman gets it. She persists. She knows that Jesus can help her, even though she's outside of Israel, even though she knows that the promises are to Israel, she still comes to Jesus, persisting, crying out to him, saying, help me, have mercy. And wonderfully, even though we've seen that the gospel went first to Israel, we'll now see from our passage that the gospel has come to us. So that's our second point for today. The gospel has come to us. So let's jump back into our passage at verse 25. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. 
Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. Jesus left there and went along the Sea of Galilee. Then he went up on a mountainside and sat down. Great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and laid them at his feet, and he healed them. The people were amazed when they saw the mute speaking, the cripple made well, the lame walking, and the blind seeing. And they praised the God of Israel. We're jumping back into this conversation between the woman and Jesus, and she's crying out for help. She's displayed the right attitude towards Jesus, but he says, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Now, some of the language here is a bit confronting, isn't it? If the children are the children of God, God's people Israel, well, that only leaves the dogs to be non-Jewish people, the Canaanite woman, and us. Unless, of course, you're of Jewish heritage. But Jesus isn't trying to throw an insult at her. He's setting up a scenario. He's saying that in a home, in the master's house, it's not right to take the food that is intended for the children of the master and instead take it from them and give it to the pet dogs. That's just not right. That's depriving the master's children of food that they should be given. But look at what the woman says. Yes, Lord, she says, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Now, this woman here, she's not disagreeing with Jesus as if Jesus were saying it's not right. And she's saying, no, yes, it is. No, no, no. She's agreeing with Jesus saying it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. She knows that the promises are to Israel. She comes with great humility. But she also says that the dogs will eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. The bits that the children discard. And that's the picture here, isn't it? Salvation, the gospel, must go to the people of God. Jesus has come to his people Israel with the gospel, but they've discarded it. They've thrown it on the floor. And so now it is right that the gospel, that salvation, should go to the whole world. This is a key moment in Matthew's gospel. We're starting to see a trajectory from the gospel being for Israel, which Jesus had come and proclaimed, but has been rejected, now moving to the gospel for all nations. See, Jesus has withdrawn from Jewish territory, moving, and, and now he's in the region of Tyre and Sidon. This is no accident. The gospel is breaking out into the nations. The gospel is going to people like us. Most of us here aren't of Jewish descent. Most of us will have come from other backgrounds. My family originates in the UK. Annie's family originates in China. What about you? Where do you come from? Where does your family come from? It's great to be here in Southwest Sydney, where so many nations have come. We need to recognize that here in Matthew's Gospel, this is a key moment whereby God's kindness and mercy the gospel is coming to all of us. And so see what Jesus says to her. Verse 28, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. 
and her daughter was healed at that moment. We saw, Jesus said earlier in Matthew 11, the passage that was on the screen, that if his miracles had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have turned back to God. And here he is in Tyre and Sidon, and he hasn't even done the miracle yet. Yet this woman comes in repentance and faith. She's turned away from Canaanite gods, and she trusts in Jesus. She didn't even need a miracle because she understood that Jesus is the fulfillment of all of God's promises, that in him there is salvation. Are you waiting for a miracle before you trust in Jesus? Are you waiting for God to show you something before you trust him? He has shown us everything we need in Jesus. And we see here that the gospel has come to us. So trust him for your salvation. Now Jesus leaves there and he goes along the Sea of Galilee. He's going along the eastern side, so he's still in non-Jewish territory. And he goes up a mountain and great crowds come to him and they bring the sick to be healed and he heals them. And the people are amazed. They're seeing the mute speaking, the cripple made well, the lame walking, the blind seeing. All of these miracles that Jesus had done first for Israel, now he is doing for the nations. And they praise the God of Israel. The gospel has come to all nations. The gospel is for all people. Young, old, male, female, businesswoman, tradesperson, eastern, western. The gospel is for all of us. And so we need to proclaim it to all people as well. As we go out into Gledswood Hills and Gregory Hills, as new places are built, no matter who God brings to this area, the gospel is for them. The gospel is for all of us. And so do you ever find yourself having a bit of bias about which neighbours or which people from school or uni or work you talk to or you get to know? I think it's, it's fine to have different friends and different levels of relationship. But if you're ever saying in your heart, it's just too hard to share the gospel with this person, or I just don't really get along with their background, they're just too different, or they'd never trust in Jesus, they're too far gone. We need to put this thinking out of our head. This story in Matthew of the Canaanite woman with great faith is meant to show us that the very people we would never expect to trust in Jesus for salvation are the very people who do. And this story also makes me think a little bit about maybe those who've grown up in a Christian home compared to those who've come to faith from outside of a Christian family. See, that second one's my story. My parents aren't Christian, and that's Annie's story as well. Her parents aren't Christians. But by God's grace, we've been included in his family, even though our families of origin were not. And so it makes me wonder if there's a comparison here. The Jews had grown up with the scriptures, with God near to them. But when the time came to trust Jesus, they failed to do so. I wonder if there's any of us here who've grown up with a Christian background. Perhaps our parents are Christian, or we went to a Christian school. We've had some Christian input. But when the time comes to trust Jesus for ourselves, 
all that just gets discarded and we trust in ourselves instead. Is that your situation? Have you heard a bit about Jesus, the one who can save us from our sin? If you have that blessing, don't waste it. Don't be like the Jews who had the gospel first but rejected it. Put your trust in Jesus. If you've been coming to church for a long time but you never really put Jesus first in your life, now is the time. Fall at his feet. And don't bring along the fact that you've come to church for a while. Don't bring along anything. Just fall at his feet in trust and humility because the gospel has come to you. But if you didn't have Christian input growing up, then the gospel is still for you. Christianity is not a club where we brag about how many generations of Christians we have in our family. No way. The gospel came to this Canaanite woman. Jesus loved and healed all the crowds. The gospel has come to all of us. And so, so far we've seen that the right attitude towards Jesus is to come to him in humility and faith. And we've seen that the gospel is for all of us. And that is good news. Because in the gospel, in trusting in Jesus, we find life and salvation. And so that's the last thing we see from our passage today, that life and salvation are found in Jesus. Let's read the last bit of the passage from verse 32. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They've already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. I don't want to send them away hungry or they may collapse on the way. His disciples answered, where can we get enough bread in this remote place to feed such a crowd? How many loaves do you have? Jesus asked. Seven, they replied, and a few small fish. He told the crowd to sit on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves and the fish, and when they had given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples, and they, and they in turn to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was 4,000 men, beside women and children. After Jesus sent the crowd away, he got into the boat and went into the vicinity of Magadan. Now, if you've been paying attention, if we've been paying attention recently in Matthew's Gospel, this might feel a little bit like deja vu. Haven't we just heard about a feeding of 5,000? Yep, it was just one chapter ago. But there's a difference here. The feeding of the 5,000 was among the Jews. But this 4,000 people, these are people who are Gentiles, who are not Jews. And so again, we see that the gospel is gone to all the nations. But we need to see what else this passage shows us. We need to see that life and salvation are found in Jesus. Notice in verse 32 how Jesus has compassion for these people. He doesn't want to send them away hungry or they might collapse on the way. Jesus is concerned to provide for people's needs, to sustain them. And notice in verse 37, the whole crowd of 4,000 men beside women and children all ate and were satisfied and they picked up broken pieces left over. There was more than enough from Jesus to sustain 
these people and their lives. Now, friends, this is meant to point us to the fact that God in Jesus does not just sustain us physically with bread or whatever that we need in this life, but that Jesus has compassion on us and meets our most important need. That is that we are dead in sin and we need saving. We need eternal life. And so this miracle, along with the one back in chapter 14, reveals that Jesus is the very one who gives life. He's the one that gives us all we need and most importantly, who saves us from death, from the consequence of sin and our rebellion against God. And he gives us new life through his death and resurrection. Now this theme has fe- this feeding has themes of a great banquet and we heard about that a little bit in our kids talk. God's people were looking forward to a banquet in heaven with God. And so this feast in heaven was an image of salvation, of life eternal and blessing. And so these feedings are meant to make us think of this heavenly feast that God will give his people when they live with him forever. And the amazing thing here is that that banquet, that salvation, that life eternal is not just for the Jews. It is for anyone who trusts in Jesus. This image of Jesus feeding the masses with an abundant leftover shows us that life and salvation, God's blessing of eternal life, come to us through Jesus. So hold on to Jesus. Come to him in repentance and faith. Humbly recognize that as sinners, we bring nothing before God to deserve salvation, but that he freely gives us his mercy that the gospel has come to us and that in Jesus we have all we need. He gives us life and salvation. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you that in Christ we have all that we need, that we have life and salvation, forgiveness from sin. Father, thank you that the gospel has come to all of us. And so, Father, help us to fall humbly in faith and repentance at your feet. Help us not to bring anything along with us, but to say, Lord, have mercy on me. Father, we do pray that you would strengthen us to hold on to you, that we might see you at the great banquet in heaven and be found in you. Amen.